This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. What's up, people? It's Post America Podcast. We're back, still in amazement of this technology. Christopher Mavermatis, the genius, figured out a way to link not only three calls, but four calls and record them using external microphones. So hopefully this sound, this one sounds slightly better than the last one. Richie, say hello. Hello, everyone. Christopher, say hello. What's going on, everybody? And Hoya Rock, say Yay! hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make sure everybody hears me out there in fucking audio land. I want to sound good. Cause you you know, check it out, Hoya. Hold on, first of all, it's been a while since I, I got my voice on this shit, and it's been a long time coming. I've been a little jealous. You had a couple repeat guests, and I'm not even a one-peat. Uh, <laughs> well, now you're, now you're two-peat. Yeah, this is your second. But Hoya, do do us a favor on get because that's you're just on a uh an iPad, right? Yep, I'm on the iPad. So you're the only one that doesn't have a microphone, so you might be a little quiet. So get nice and close to that built-in iPad mic. All right, you... is uh, is this the mic? Is it by the bottom or on the side? Uh, Joe knows. Where's the mic, Joe? On the bottom or the side? I think it's on the bottom. I would imagine. Well, I'm talking to the bottom now. How's that? I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna talk to every side of the iPad. <laughs> all right so this is the bottom of the ipad you hear yeah me? that's the one that's uh, the clearest one that's yeah, it yeah. that's it the, the, the bottom it is okay beautiful beautiful now hoya you are down in florida right now yep yep in a secret location in south florida in 1486 930 no i'm joking <laughs> I'm, no but i'm in um yeah i'm in south florida i've been living out here the last like five you know what like seven years six years some shit like that wow do you Damn. feel like a traitor to New York City? Absolutely not. Because you know why? Because you know why? My heart's in my chest, and that's where New York City's at. Oh, okay. You can that's take right. Hoya out of New York, but you can't take New York out of Hoya. Exactly. Half the motherfuckers in New York right now aren't even from New York. Like who? Who are you talking about? Everybody. <laughs> Name names. Everybody. Vinny like Stigma? All the guys that come from other states that take my state's jobs. Oh, oh you're talking about us. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> I love this crowd. But, uh, that is nah, true. Nah, nah, hell no. I, you know, again, you know, I always, no matter where you live, to me, it's where, like, it's where you feel like you came up or where you feel at home. Because you don't got to be born somewhere to, to rep that spot either. I don't believe that shit either. You know what I mean? You could live in a in a spot for a certain amount of time and then feel like, you know, that's your home. You rep that home. You know, that's you got to be proud of where you live. You know, so you wouldn't be fucking living there unless you're in jail. You know what I mean? Well, Fury of Five said it's not where you're from. It's where you at. <laughs> right now, he's right now fucking doing some jumps in the in the forest somewhere. Shout oh, out yeah. To he, yeah, he likes that shit. Now, listen, right before this whole <laughs> thing broke out. Madball was about to do a pretty dope tour, right? It, it, you know, you it's so, it's so fucking crazy, man. Literally. So we were supposed to fly out, I believe, that Friday. And the, and the shit started already that Tuesday night. 
I started hearing shit and I actually text Freddie and I'm like, um, yo, I'm hearing shit, a lot of shit. We might want to start touching base. And he's like, yeah, I already been touching base to Europe, but so far so good. And literally two days before we were supposed to fly out, um, we, we got the word that Switzerland closed down all shows and then Austria and then Germany did. Then we had a Canada tour literally like two days before we were supposed to fly out that Wednesday, that, that Wednesday night, as a matter of fact. Oh, and our damn. first show was that Friday. And it was it was a really good tour with us, Knock Loose, um, um Harm's Way, a bunch of bands. It's a real good bill, and it was uh, it was selling good. It was a good, you know, it was good on everybody. Everybody had, you know, it was a good mix of bands. It was Yeah, cool looking uh, package. Yeah, it was crazy. It was pretty crazy. It was like a a a, a unique package, you know, and um and we were psyched, man, and literally days before, and you know, so it kind of fucked us over. Well, not kind of. It did fuck us over big time. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to think of it as like, like, damn, we really got fucked over. When you, you really look at the entire music industry as a whole, no matter what kind of music you play, Yo, no, everybody's fucked. Everybody. Big time. You want to know what? To like nobodies, to bands yep. just starting out, to everybody's fucking. You know? Everybody. You know what? I, I'll be honest. When it first happened, all right. So, like, I told you, I kind of got the gist of that shit like Tuesday night, like maybe a day early before everybody, everybody started kind of panicking. Like, you know, I mean, it was new shit. But then I was like, so already mentally, I had to tell myself, yo, you're fucked. This, they got, that's it. This tour is getting canned. I didn't think like the extent of what it is now, but I was like, oh, this tour is a wrap. Forget it. Get it in your head. You ain't worried, you know. And that was already a big blow because, you know, um, this is what we do for a living, you know. Like, you know, this is the only money we get is from playing live. We ain't like these, you know, these fucking metal bands or whoever that just gets a check in the mail every fucking day. Or they have a, a, a song on a commercial or some shit like that. You know, we get every cent from playing live or selling a T-shirt, you know. So yeah. it was like, um, yeah, and then. You know, and I'll be honest with you. So when Freddie already said, "Yo, the, the tour got canceled," I kind of was like, "You know what? I was already prepared for this. The world is suffering, kind of shit." I'm like, "We all suffer, you know. Like, we all taking the hit." And then I sat there, and then I started watching people online panic. Like a lot of bands started panicking, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of these guys I know and they're friends, but I think a lot of people started panicking real early, and. But that actually made me a little bit more aware of, oh, shit, this shit might go longer than what I think it's going to go for. Yeah. Longer and, and, and wider and farther. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, clubs, that means peop, uh, promoters, that means, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, um, van rental companies, that means, um, um, you know, we tour, period. You know, uh, uh, merch companies, uh, uh, the barbacks, the bartenders. You know, the restaurants, the, the spaces that double as a club and a restaurant. You know, um, I was like, man, this is fucking crazy, you know? And then I started, you know, getting more... I still didn't panic like a bitch, like a lot of motherfuckers did. But it's definitely uh, the biggest problem we've ever had to deal with in our fucking life. <clears throat> as far as, you know, our, our business and all that shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, we talked about that last week a little bit about the the big eye opener was how connected all the systems yep. 
of the world are to each other. All over the globe, every system has something to do with every other system at some point. Insane. You know what it is? It's like that movie that what the caterpillar. Everybody's got their mouth in the next nigga's asshole. And everybody's human, human centipede, you mean? Yeah, oh that goodness. one. <laughs> what I said, the human caterpillar. The human centipede. The, there's a human centipede. All these motherfuckers got their mouths on the next motherfucker's asshole eating their shit. Really. That's what that shit is. <clears throat> That's gross, but yeah. You know what I mean? Because everybody's feeding each other shit, and, and it's just the game is trying to find who the head is. And then at the end of the day, who cares what the head is? It's the whole body. The whole, where the head goes, the body goes. You got to kill that whole shit. And that's the problem right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, do you have any predictions as to when this might tone tone down? Um, ne- never. Like, what do you mean, like, tone down? Like, I'll tell you this. The, the world as we knew it is a wrap, for sure. Yeah, like, man. Again, I ain't going to say that radically now you know everybody the next and by next year we're all going to be walking in bubbles but it's going to be very commonplace for people to have masks on it was already starting with the pollution mask you know what i mean that that was already kind of getting like hip now it's going to be part of everyday shit for a lot of people you know what i mean and you don't kid yourself remember when everybody had the oxygen bars all these like now all the same motherfuckers that got beards and barbershops they're going to open up germ-free bars. And, and, and then motherfuckers are going to exploit that whole shit. You know what I mean? But that's where it's going. It's going to that. You know what I mean? It's going to be things are going to change on how we do it. You know how we go to the super... You know how in New York, the greatest city in the world, where you could go to a deli outside and see the fruit outside, and if you wanted to... Let me, let me pick up that orange and check it out. That's a wrap. That's going to be a wrap. No more touching nothing. You're not going to be able to get that close. You're going to have to look at shit. You know what I mean? That's what's going to happen. Remember that. Because mm. it starts with that. You know what I mean? And you know what else? Money. Guess what? They. Oh, yeah. We all know. All our parents taught us. Don't touch money. Don't put it on your face. Why? Because it goes through a lot of hands. Okay, let's eliminate that. Okay. They're going to give us other ways to pay for shit. And we could go into that. And you guys already know that. You know what I mean? Digital currency. So, Exactly, or however you want to put it, it's in a chip and this and that, a credit card. That's how they already start getting, you know, you know, the, a GPS on everybody. You know what I mean? And um, but that's now, if the if if the world governments come together and say, "Listen, everyone, we have a way to avoid this. It is the implementation of a microchip into the back of your hand. It will hold your currency. It will hold your your location." It'll hold the information you will need to fill out a resume. It will make everything super convenient and very safe. Come and get it. Does Hoya Rock come and get it? Come on, you know better than that. So I'm you're only, out. You, you're done with you, the music. You're done with I, everything. I only put a chip if that shit is free range money. <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds. I think it sounds convenient. I'm down. Let me, I'll let do me it. Tell you something. I never even put an earring on my ears, let alone I'm put a chip on. Well, so the earring has no had no value. The chip has value. It makes everything easier for you, more convenient. <laughs> like it, the only chips I want is Vegas chips, and always bet on brown, baby. Yo, imagine this for a chip <laughs> for, for a chip if it has health information, and when you meet somebody, you can scan the chip and exchange each other to each other health information, vital health information. Yeah, I'm but sure fuck that. Was. 
But you know why? Fuck that. You also could let the enemy know your weaknesses. Fuck that. You never show all your cards to anybody. Oh, yeah, you're too skeptical. Mm, yeah, I don't no, know. No, It'd be kind of nice that, to know. <laughs> you know what if you? What you know if what you don't have? What, what, what I'm talking about is not showing my weaknesses, but like you know, what if somebody? You... All right, no, but then you know what I say? I say, oh, this guy is, um, uh, you know, um, he has medical issues with his family. This, and if I wanted to do some real fucked up shit and, and you know make something happen to you, I fucking throw extra sugar in your fucking pancakes. The next thing you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm feeding you to a tiger five minutes later. <laughs> Wait, why'd you say that? <laughs> why specifically tiger? Yeah, you know, because you know why? Because that's the that's the, the best thing that's been going on since the, the whole corona shit. It really it's is. Fucking, I never thought I would say this, but it would be a bunch of gay dudes, white trash gay dudes with tigers and to, to entertain me through this shit. I can't Yo, get that do you have a, out of my you head. Have, Song, like one of, one, he wrote a bunch of he has like albums of music the dude you know all right yeah, so, yeah. there's this one song they played as one music video Man, where he like tiger. where he uh he, where he so, realizes he loves tigers it's like i saw a tiger now i understand i saw a tiger yeah tiger soul man yeah look at so i'll say this look at, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna admit something so i'm watching that shit and you know throughout the whole shit they're playing the song and you know first of all i'm like Look at this fucking wild, white trash, gay, redneck, whatever. And then I'm hearing, you know, they're playing the music. And I'm like, you know, first of all, I'm not really, I'm not into country. But, you know, my ears all right. And I'm like, yo, you know what? Musically, it doesn't sound bad. And I'm thinking, I'm like, yo, but I ain't going to say nothing. I'm like, that's, the, that's all I need. I'm like, and I'm hearing another song. And then I'm like, yo, not for uh, Lyrics are, are stupid. But I go, it sounds like legit country. You know, the, the, the. It sounds real. It sounds real. Yeah. And then what happened is, go, go, go. Uh, fast forward, uh, uh, a whole band came out. It wasn't even him who did it. It's a whole band yeah. that did their music. So I yeah, he's I, not even singing. I that. fucking knew it. I knew it. That could it's, not be him. His voice is so nasally. <laughs> exactly. So he had. So who you kidding? He had you. <laughs> yeah, he had. <laughs> you know, yeah, I knew that wasn't about king, son. I yo, knew it wasn't him listen, singing. <laughs> listen, but no joke. In my head, I kept saying, yo, all right, I don't know country, but yo, that shit sounds legit, you know, for this wild motherfucker. He actually got, like, chops. And then I was like, all right, whatever. What do I know? And then it came out that a legit group came out, and he was, like, paying them to do songs. And the, I think the dude, the actual guy who wrote those songs passed away. So I think that's why, like, the music got rehashed and shit. So. Well, listen, there's a... There's a, you know, the point in the in the movie where uh, his his one husband dies, or whatever, he killed himself, and they had the funeral, right? And he sings one of his songs at the funeral, and it's the most fucking creepiest, weirdest thing ever. Yeah, but the thing that stuck out in my mind was that didn't sound anything like the song they were playing earlier. It sounded like a different voice. It sounded like a different band. It was. But I'm like, I mean, maybe he was just sad and grieving or something, but it <laughs> didn't sound sucked. like him anymore. <laughs> that guy just sucked. He sucked. Look it, they all sucked, but yo, that bitch was the worst. Carol, or whatever her name is, that bitch gotta go. If the Tiger King is locked up, that bitch gotta get locked up. <laughs> 
so, I, so, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for this fucking. I hear you. The wild because, white trash gay dude now locked up. If he's locked up, lock up the wild white bitch. Fuck her. Because now, do you agree that she's there, there's no difference between the two of them? They're the Absolutely same. Absolutely not. They're both and fucking psycho. And you want to know something? And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the dudes that go with those other guys, they choose to. They get paid and they choose to get minimum wage. They choose to get screamed at. They choose to get herb. She, her, they all, everybody that works for her is for free. And then on top of that, they kiss her ass and make it sound like she's like, like, like the holiest person in the world when she's doing the exact same shit. So, yeah, cult leader, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, very much. If anything, she got more. She's more evil. She's the Hillary Clinton out of all of them. She, well, she's like the tricky cult leader. Exactly. The the, the thing is, because she has the the mask of being like this this savior. Yes. While the other guys are just like straight up egomaniac, like yeah, I'm the shit. You know what I mean? They're like more like a typical cult leader, like Hillary the, Clinton. Uh, it's all about sex for them. It's all about power. But with like her, she really, she really did a good job of being the, the cult leader who tricks everybody into thinking she's she's kind yeah. and all yeah, that. Like, oh. you, know, you know what it is? It's just uh, my whole shit is like, in all reality, it's just like, uh, if you're going to talk shit and point fingers, you know, you bet, especially nowadays, you better really, really watch your ass because they'll find you. You know, if you if you watch that, don't fuck with cat shit. That you can't hide. So you better watch what you say, or just shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't see I didn't that show. That. How, how what is that about? Listen, listen. You that's the best one out of all of them because that one is an eye opener, and it's it's fucking what it's great about it. It shows what um what do you call it? What a bunch of regular eager civilians could do with just some motivation and internet. Put it like that. Really? Amazing. Like, it blew me away. So, like, it changed my way of thinking, and it, and it changed my way of, of of just even thought on a lot of subjects. As far as, you know, we always assume like um, inside information is in some crazy database that the FBI has, and blah blah blah. Listen, these motherfuckers were dudes on a, with a Facebook page. And they were doing shit the feds couldn't do just by being motivated by a cause straight up. And it w- if you didn't see it, like, as a matter of fact, I demand you see it. <laughs> I had another friend demand that I see it and I just haven't watched it yet. I'm surprised. First of all, I'm blown away that all you motherfuckers haven't seen it. If anyone out of all these documentaries, that's the one that people should see, like, as far as like, Listen, that shit's going to really fuck with your brain and, and good in a bad way. Like, you know, the story is a little disturbing, but it's going to open your brain up on like, wow, like uh, on you're going to be surprised on what some motivated uh, civilians could do when they really back a cause. It's fucking ridiculous. Mm. All right. I have to check that out, man. ASAP. Yeah, I've been working out so much, I haven't had time to like really watch too much. You know? <laughs> me too. All I've been doing is sit up, Sigga. So, yo, let me ask you, though, who's the, your favorite character on the uh, Tiger King? Oh, well, well, I think the guy with the three teeth is pretty cute. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What do you mean? First of all, I get disgusted every second of that. I get a stomachache watching it. 
But I like the girl with the missing hand. I like her. No, I like her, and I like the guy with the the guy with no legs. And, and uh, you know, you know what? He's my favorite. The dude with no legs, because that dude is um, he seemed like like uh, the nicest guy and the most like um, he was who he was. You know, you yeah. saw what you get. Yeah, he seemed like a decent kind of guy anyway. Yeah, he was he was pissed off, man, when they had to kill the tigers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you want to know what? Something I literally just saw like two hours ago. They they put they aired like a, a wrap up special kind of shit where they actually do these short interviews with all of them. You got to check it out. It's pretty bugged out. They talk to they talk to all of them and they say some pretty bugged out shit like. Stuff that happened that we didn't know, shit that happened afterwards, and stuff like that. So pretty crazy. Yeah. So no, I, I see, don't know. I go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I saw something that I don't know if this is there's any validity to this, but it says it, it flashed on my my newsfeed for like a week that Donald Trump is looking into the case and and deciding whether or not he's going to pardon. No, this you know dude. what that was. I saw it. You know what it was during one of those talks he has, you know, at the end, somebody was like, hey, you ever seen Tiger King or whatever? And he was kind of like, it was actually pretty funny because he was like, let me guess. And he named one of his sons, I guess one of his sons was into that shit. And then he was like, oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll look into it. But not like he didn't make okay. not like made a real issue out of it. Like yeah, he kind of didn't even know what it was and said, oh, I'll, I'll exactly. look into it. Exactly, that, like kind of just laughing about it. He was more gassed up that he talked about his son. You know what I mean? You could yeah, tell, yeah, kind of shit. You know, so it's like, but uh, but yeah, nah, it's crazy, man. It's that's this this whole shit is crazy. Every day I I think about it and I think it's this whole. Do you, uh, do you think this documentary would have been as big of a deal if it didn't happen? Just as everybody in the world got quarantined. I think it would have because everyone, you know, there was like, you remember like the don't fuck with cats. People started talking The Aaron Hernandez. People started talking. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like it's been the new trend the last year or two. Like, yeah. And this this like, one's really good. Exactly. But definitely the quarantine helped. But I think it's a great documentary. It's so crazy that, you know, it's hard enough to force people to watch a movie. You know how it is. All of us in everyday life to just sit down and have enough time to watch it. Now people have all the time in the world to watch it, and it's a crazy ride. So I think people are like, uh, it's the right kind of entertainment for the right time, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, yeah, the timing on it was impeccable. Perfect, man. Right now, it, I wish it I was the record. Yeah, for real. A, a, a digitally downloaded record for everyone to get right now when there's nothing going on. You know what on. I would do? Uh, right now, I would drop a record and say, I got 12, 15 songs, and I'm going to drop one song a week for the next 15 weeks. So that nice. way I kept everybody, you know, on ice, you know, hitting me with the loads and, and making the most out of fucking, you know, not being able to literally go out. And you've and, literally promoted an album for 15 weeks. Exactly. That's yeah, what I would do right all I think about is how I could promote for free because nobody does shit for us. You know what I mean? So, yep. so I'm I'm constantly thinking on how we do it. I look at what young kids do. I look at what these young SoundCloud rappers do. Like, oh, what these kids do? How they kind of promote? How you know how they you know how they you know? Obviously, it's different music, different age demographics, but the kids are in touch with the with technology in the future. So, you know, and 
I'm always got my ear to the streets and I'm always down with the youth. You know what I mean? Because I know they got the e, you know, they got their pulse on what's going on. Holy Rock is for the children. Facts. Always will be. Hoya, check this. You talk about the youth. Let's go back to when you were a youth. The youth. With were you S. born in, in Queens? I was born in, in Manhattan in Metropolitan Hospital in the in oh. Spanish Harlem, 98th Street on the east side of Manhattan. Oh, I know that hospital. Yeah, yeah. It was like one of the worst hospitals in Manhattan. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, we were, I was born there. I lived in Manhattan until I was about five years old. And then... um. Right there, I lived on on the east side, and then I moved to Queens when I was six, about six years old. And then always the same spot in Queens. Well, yeah, basically the same neighborhood. We had um, my family first. We first lived in uh, uh, it was pretty crazy. We we it was uh, five of us and two dogs in a in a converted basement apartment, a one bedroom. We lived there for a while, and then. Damn. Yeah, it was pretty. It was crazy. Um, and then, I'd be like, "Yo, uh, get rid of these dogs, at least." <laughs> I know, right? It was like, it was pretty <laughs> crazy. But God forbid, you know, Spanish motherfuckers, you can't get rid of the dogs. But um, yeah, we did that, and then you know, my mother busting her ass, and my family busting her ass. You know, they were able to, to make some things happen, and ended up getting a house and being able to buy a house and all that shit. You know, later down the line. But yeah, where did your parents come from? My uh, my mother's from Nicaragua and my father's from Ecuador. Oh, and yeah, yeah. My mother came when she was like um, seventeen years old. She came to work because um, in her country they were really really poor. So she came really young with permission to come work. So she's been working in America since she's basically seventeen, eighteen years old. So now culturally, what side do you prefer more, the Nicaraguan or the Ecuadorian? Um, both, because I'm both of them. Yeah, but you know, sometimes people uh, go to one or the other a little more to get. Yeah, nah, seems... nah, I don't. It don't work like that, you know. To me, I love my more than my father. <laughs> so, whatever comes with them, I'm that. Okay, you know I got I mean? you. I got you. But but nah, it ain't like a, it ain't like one of those. I think it, that probably is heavier, maybe with like a, the black and white thing, or like an Asian and white, or something like that. Because it's like, you know what I mean. I think it's more of a, a defining line than. You yeah. know, yeah, I, I don't. I identify more with my Chinese side. <laughs> I think it also comes along with uh, <clears throat> well, there's kind of like a good guy, bad guy connotation to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe one parent you favor more than another parent. You might, uh, you know, in my experience, that's that's kind of. Yeah, I, I guess I just I just know like I had some friends and the, the the more dread I never you know it's. It's weird to be like, oh, you know, I'm Ecuadorian, but I, I tend to be more towards my Colombian side when you couldn't tell, kind of. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. so, like, not as direct as, let's say, I, me. I say, oh, I, and my mother's half Japanese. And then you see me, you know, walking around in a gi and, you know, Doing eating sushi, And you're like, okay, you know, he <laughs> tends to be more towards his, you, you know, <laughs> you can notice. Yeah, because at, at the end of the day, we're Americans and, you know, we don't really do anything. Exactly. God damn it. We're fucking Americans for crying out loud. USA, motherfucker. <laughs> That's right, baby. All right, check it. So, so you're in Queens. You move out there. You're, you're real young. Yeah. When did you get? When did you just start loving music? Because you're a music lover. Yeah, yeah. You know what it was? I was like, um, 
first it was hip hop, you know what I mean? I was into hip hop big time when I was probably like everybody from like nine to 10, you know, you, you kind of start finding what you like. And my brother was always into metal and hardcore. So I always heard crazy music in the house. You know what I mean? So it was always in the backdrop, but you know, I was kind of more, I was more of a hip hop kid. And then, you know, but there was always like a song or two I always liked. And it was always be like a Sabbath song or something like that. You know what I mean? And then, um, I think the shit I liked the most about the whole metal shit was the visuals, the the drawings, like the Iron Maiden artwork, you know, that that type of shit. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I was more into that. I never liked long hair and earrings and all that shit. You know, I was, that was that's the thing why I never liked. I loved metal. I love metal music, but I was never into the look because of that reason. To mm-hmm. me, you know, it was like, you know, it just wasn't my thing. Long hair and jewelry and ornaments and. And fucking uh, what do you call that when girls wear purses? Um, accessories. <laughs> accessories. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, hold up, I want to talk to you, motherfuckers. You had something to say about skinheads and saying a uniform. Listen, every music form has a uniform. I hate to break it to you, amigo. If it's the hardcore kid with the book bag and the ch- and the champion hoodie and whatever, everybody has a uniform. Yeah, yeah, but some are more pronounced than others. But you know how it was back in the day. God forbid you didn't have a champion hoodie. God I didn't have that. Yeah, man. See on it. You know what I mean? Tell me, no, you remember that? God I remember forbid. that. You know what I mean? It was. Like, I used to wear an apron to shows just so I could be different. <laughs> you like find it? Just wear your underwears and spray paint your sneakers orange. But yeah, I know what you're saying, but it's a little more pronounced in in the uh, feminized skinhead culture. <laughs> I think. I was a, I was skinned, man, so I don't buy that. I wasn't an oi boy, but... So. Well, let me ask you that. When did you get into the skinhead thing? Always, from day one. So, you know, again, my whole shit was... Um, all right, like, when, when I had to hear, when I heard anything, it was, you know, obviously, the first hardcore I heard was Agnostic Front and Cro-Mags because of my mm-hmm. brother. So, mm-hmm. right off the top, that I was more... I liked the craziness, even sonically, that I already heard. It sounded like noise to me, but I was like, something about it sounded more mean to me. You know what I mean? And then um, we just kept listening to my brother. My brother would like um, constantly, you know, he was always, so the more he heard it, the more I would kind of pick of what I liked. And and the thing I associated was more with like a band like AF and and a, a look and a, and a style of, you know, they were skins, but they were like, a to me, that's what I was, a hardcore skin. You know what I mean? I did like a lot of oi music, but I wasn't just into oi music. You know what I mean? Mm. I just never liked punk rock music. You know what I mean? I like hardcore music and I like oi music. And the whole concept that came with, in New York City at that time, you either, when you were a hardcore kid, you kind of lean towards, you either like a preppy straight edge kid, if you were like a youth crew kid. Or you are a hardcore skin or an oi boy skin or you are an old school kind of punk hardcore guy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of lanes like there is now. So so the I, hardcore skin would be the ones listening to AF, Cro-Mag, stuff like that. Yes, at, okay. hands down. And that's yeah. what we were. You are, you would catch us at a... Not all, not all skins would go to a hardcore show. Some of them would only go to ska shows. Some skins only went to oi shows. Some skins only went to oi and, you know, and then we were hardcore skins. We went to everything. You know, like yeah. the difference was we had, 
you know, um, jeans, Doc Martens, and triple fat gooses when everybody else had like a $500 Fred Perry shirt on and fucking slacks. Mm. You, you know what I mean? But, you know, we followed a lot of traditional guidelines on like the style of music and, you know, uh, what, what the whole movement stood for. You know what I mean? What age do you think you got into the scene at? How old were you when you got into the scene? Uh, I was, well, when I got into like the music, I was like 13, 14, but I would say like 15 years, 14, 15 years old, you know, I would say officially, like I would, you know, going to shows and then I started a band. So since I've been about 15 years old. And then how about when you wanted to start playing the instrument? What triggered that? 15, the same shit. Like the only reason I didn't fucking play in a band, it was never that I wanted to be in a band. It was my basically my big mouth <laughs> um, talking shit. One day we were in front. Of, we used to hang out in front of my house and we used to drink forties and just chill on the stoop. And there used to be a old uh, a hardcore show on the radio called um, uh, Crucial Chaos in the city, and um, they would play you know hardcore music every. I forgot which day it was, but they would play some garbage. I mean, like garbage. And I was standing there with my boys. We were sitting around, and I remember listening to some shit. And I remember saying, "Man, if this shit could go on the radio, I bet we could get something together right now and get on the fucking radio." And then my boys said, "All right, then let's start a band." Man, we oh, said, "All shit. right," you know, like put your right, money where your mouth is, oh yeah. But the thing is, this is the way the story went. That's when we first put into action. When I was twelve, <clears> when we were eleven, twelve years old. We were already into metal and hardcore. We had a band, but this was before we had instruments. We used to sit around and talk about when we could afford instruments, what we would play, and then the, the, that we would start a band. But that never happened, you know what I mean? Until <laughs> we fast-forwarded, so. That's wild. Who would we know that might still be around or that was like one of your earliest friends at youngest <laughs> young age? <laughs> Those Beto, that's who you know, you, who you know very well. Yeah. And, um... He he was in the band. Um, uh, my boy Cheeky. Well, my boy G was the original singer. My first band. Mm. Um, but um, and, and demise and, demise was your first band. Demise was my first band, and um, like before. All right, so in junior high school, we used to sit around and we used to talk about, yo, we want to start a band. Yo, we'll start a band one day. Right, you play this, and I said I'll play bass because my brother always wanted to play bass. So I said. Fuck it. If he wants to play bass, it must be cool. I'll play bass. You know oh, what that's I mean? dope. Dope tribute to your brother. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, that was when we just had to talk about band. And then, you know, that never happened, but we got into music, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then fast forward when we were 15 and then that shit happened. Then we said, hey, let's throw something together. And then um, we said, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. Then it was pretty funny because Beto says he wanted to play guitar. So he ordered a guitar on the mail and through the mail. At the time, oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, he bought a guitar. It was like a hundred bucks. You get a guitar amp and like a hundred packs of strings. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the worst guitar ever. It, it was called the Harmony guitar. It was insane. It was a, oh it was my crazy. god! I remember that. And then That's I awesome. bought a, But I'll tell you something funny. And I bought a, I bought a used bass like two weeks later. So now we have to, <laughs> the best shit. So we have, all right, a guitar and a bass. So he said, I remember looking at each other and we're like, okay, so, you know, we got to learn a song or something. And then um, I had one of my friends who was a bass player. He taught me how to play Iron Man, right? Oh, shit. 
so you know, just you know, the beginning of Iron Man, and I remember, and I'm like, so, so I think it was Beto playing it on guitar, and I'm looking at it, and you know, I'm copying the movements, and I'm like, yo, but it doesn't sound the same. <laughs> and we're wondering why. So I had to figure out the sounds that did match. So to do something that you could play on one string, I had to play on like four strings, and then. <laughs> Fast forward like two months, we're, 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 we're just making noise. And he goes, yo, you know what? I think we got to do this thing that's called tuning. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, well, you kind of do this thing and blah, blah, blah. So the whole time, we were basically trying to figure out <laughs> note for note because we didn't know about tuning. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so did you learn the song all, on all different spots to make it match? Like you learned it on the wrong, like your fingers were in the wrong spots because your strings were out of tune? I think I had to use every string to play, and, I, and it was just the, the first part of Iron Man, and I still think I never played it right. <laughs> Yo, Hoya got real quiet. Is he quiet to you guys? Yeah, I heard yeah. that too. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're real quiet Something now. Something happened. Nothing. I'm right here. You hear me? You hear me? Real quiet. I hear you, but very quiet. You're very quiet. I don't know why. Oh, not, now you're good. Now you're good. What do you do? I'm like this. Yeah. Is this better? Yeah, now it sounds back to normal. Oh, okay. No, no, maybe I was too close and it was clipping. Oh, right. But um yeah, and it was like basically um uh, we learned the hard way, but um we didn't start, you know, we didn't start in a band basically to like start a you know, we did it more out of like all right, yo, fuck it, let's start some. All right, fuck it, let's do it. You know, it was never a thing that we thought we would ever do. I never thought I would be in a band, you know what I mean? Like and then it just kind of you know, then we started with Demise, and then we would just start jamming out with that shit, you know? Now, did you go to school with those guys? Well, me and Beto were in school. We went junior high school together. And then um, I, through the neighborhood, um, I, I met Jeer and Richie, which was my drummer and my first singer. And then basically, that's what we all hooked up together. And they were like, Jeer was like, yo, I want to sing. And my boy Richie played drums, so we said, hey, let's jam. Then we started jamming, and then you know we started writing some songs, and then um, we started the band. And for those that don't know, Beto was a guitar player, Twenty Five to Life, and he he actually was on one Madball album, right? Yeah, he he was on the Hold It Down record. And cool, then, cool. Yeah, he did the he was we did the early stuff. Yeah, he was in Twenty Five, and then and then um, and then we did the, yeah then we we yeah we did the demise. For it was it was a weird time because we did the demise serious for a minute, and then it was weird in general. The scene was kind of like it was kind of it was dead, kind of on the East Coast. It was weird at the time, so mm -hmm. we weren't playing much, but it didn't matter because there wasn't like many places to play. And then um, the new wave of bands started kind of popping up near that last era, like the Mad Balls and the the fucking um, uh, District Nines, the VODs. All those yeah. bands started popping up near the end of that Demise era, kind of. Mm. Was there ever any crossover where you were in Demise and, and Madball or no? No. You know what's pretty crazy is that um, the last Demise show was, we played one of the last, the, the last Demise show we played was in Long Island. It was Demi like Marauder, Demise, Madball, Agnostic Front. Uh, 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 I think... Um, uh, who else? Um, a band that Johnny Lafada was in. It was crazy because we all ended up being in Madball and making it a serious band after that. But um, 
Now nah, the reason why I, I I filled in for Madball was because Demise was done, and they were starting to do a couple of shows, and they they had asked me just to fill in for a couple of shows. They told me, oh, maybe we just do a couple of weekends, and then here I am. And you never left. <laughs> yeah. Freddie's still waiting for you to leave. He's like, well, is this guy ever going to leave? Trust me, I want to leave. I got nowhere to go. <laughs> Shit. That's crazy. So what your parents think about you playing this crazy-ass kind of music back then? I lucked out because um, my brother had to take most of the hit for that shit. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And he was more into, like, and he was into a lot of the whole Venom shit and the whole satanic shit. So, you know, with old Spanish people, that shit don't fly. But, so they um, almost preferred what you were doing. Yeah, you know, my brother was into it, too. But they, they at the end of the day, after years of seeing it, they saw it was like, this is just kid shit, imagery, and, you know, mm. you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then, obviously, I definitely... I think hardcore minus the t all the tattoos. I think it's an easier pill to swallow because the message is more relatable to everyday humans than you know slaying the devil or writing the seventh season of Wooden Boat with fucking. <laughs> you know what I mean, with the torch. Not, I, and I love metal. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I could tell my mother, "Hey, check out this song. Look at the lyrics to this song," and you know, and be proud of it. Not that I can't read her Angel of Death and be proud, but I, I wouldn't want to do that. No, I understand, song. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, you <laughs> Not, know, and then, and then we just, you know, um, the, they asked me to, you know, Mabo was starting to play some shows, and, they, and we were already hanging out. So they knew I played bass, and they said, hey, they asked me if I wanted to jump along for a couple of weekends, and then I jumped along with them. Nice. Good, good score. I yeah, mean, Mabo... Yeah, Madball is probably the uh, the last, the youngest of all the New York hardcore legacy bands. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, that's one thing I'm proud of. Of, of uh, I'm proud that um, that that we're part of that era. Not that we're part of that era. That what we've done earned us our spot at the end of that train. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, like, again, you know, um, there's a lot. I love, you know, I used to pay to go see all these bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know how some of these bands like want to hate and talk shit on each other. I'm like, just being mentioned in the same fucking breath as an AF, as a Sigurdall, as a Cro-Mags. I won. I used to yeah, fucking man. sneak in those shows. I used to, you know what I mean? I used to go, you know, travel with the train for hours to see, wait for, uh, you know, the next song. To, to drop. Now I'm getting mentioned in the same breath if they like it or not. I won. Yeah. Yeah, you know man. I mean? That's all I wanted to make a mark. Like, yo, like us or not, that people respect what we did and that we did that shit real. We nobody ever told us what the fuck to do. We never crossed nobody that never <laughs> deserved it. You know, anybody that had beef with us deserved it. We also mm -hmm. did a lot of foul shit, but we also a lot of foul shit happened to us. But we also as a band, we never cross people. We never do bad business. We're proud of what we do. We're proud that we did it on our own. We're proud that, you know, um, that we, we, you know, we're a face for hardcore music. So we like showing people as street and as ghetto as it is, we can hang with the best of them. And I don't mean mad boy, I mean hardcore music. You know, yeah. we could rock, we could kill it sonically, visually, you know, art wise, 
Packaging wise, we could do everything. The metal bands, the rock bands could do too. Because all those motherfuckers listen to hardcore at one point or another. That's right, motherfucker. That's right. That's just a fact. It's a fact, baby. Man, that's a. Uh, now you got me all hyped up. You got you, you got me crazy. So I got to go. I got to go back a little bit because you you le- you you know demise finishes. People still talk about demise. You know that people still ask. We got questions later on if we get to them. People talking and asking questions about demise. But uh, demise is over. You hit Madball, and what did you what did you like think? Like where did you think you'd go with it? Did you think it'd be like a demise level kind of band? Have some fun on the weekends. Or yeah, did you be, guys have a plan? No, there was never... You know when the first plan kicked in? Like, maybe three albums ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, shit. Like, like to be... Literally, I remember Maddie Henderson telling me, like, yo, yo, we, we have some weekends booked. Maybe, you know, a, a, like a week tour or something. You know, that's the extent of it, because he was going to school or whatever. He goes, yo, you want to fill in? And I literally joined the band thinking that's what it was going to be. And then that turned into, yo, we got an offer to do a South America thing. Oh, you want to do it? All right, fuck it. Yo, um, uh, they want us to record a couple of songs. You want to record? Okay, fuck it. It was never like, yo, this is a real band. I'm going to be playing shows. And wow, I'm this and that. It was never, I didn't know I was in it until I was in it. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Like, and, and it wasn't like this big, like, oh, shit. You know, literally, not till I was probably like on tour somewhere you know and then looking around being like wait a minute i'm on stage with stigma you know what i mean mm-hmm. that was, you know i could tell you the first time i probably felt it was like we were playing in wetlands and we did a, a roger this was the first time af got back together and roger jumped on stage to play to do some af songs and i remember saying yo i'm playing with af this is crazy. Like, I got Maddie wow. Henderson, Willie. I'm like, yo, I'm an agnostic front right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was yeah, like, cause... this is crazy. And then I, but even then, we never would sit and talk like, yeah, we're in a band forever. We're going to do 100 records. We never did. We never did none of that. It was like, it was a little scary, you know, later yo, on. Yo, you got, you got quiet again. You hear me now? Yeah, now I hear you real good. It got a little scary because we never knew, like, me and Freddie never really sat around and, and talked about the long term. Mm-hmm. We just, I guess, we assumed we knew what we were going to be doing. You know what I mean? Now, yeah, if, if you think, if you have any regrets or think you made any mistakes with Madball, would that be one of them? That maybe you didn't come up and, and take it more serious early, game plan earlier? Like, yeah and no, because, you know, we could talk about all the wild shit we did back in the day. You know, people say, you know, that kind of fucked us. In a lot of ways, you know, with, um, you know, the whole, but, I, you know, you, you know, with being a wild band and, you know, if it was beef or whatever it was, but at the same time, that kind of made who we are and that's who we were. You yeah, know? that's true. Lying. You know, we'd be lying and we say, oh, that wasn't us. That was a small, but that's, that's what the fuck we were right or wrong. That's what the fuck we were. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think at the end of the day, people at least respected us for owning it. I remember, uh, Coming up, like, well, when we first were starting bands and getting into music and shit like that, when there was a band that started with a plan, it always seemed like not as genuine. Yeah. Like a band, like a brand new band that's that has a game plan. 
it just, for some reason there's something yeah. about it just seemed like you're not having as much fun as I'm having. Yeah. And then Very you could also and, like, and you, you could also you, tell. You know why? When all of our bands started, I don't even have to be at Richie's first show, at Chris's first show, your first show. I know your first shows was we jumping on the floor of the stage or wherever we were, confused as fuck, wondering what were we gonna do, how plugging in, fucking up, blah, blah, blah. You know why? Right. Because we were playing and we weren't thinking about it. We weren't. And then we see we've all played with those bands that it's their first show. They got full stacks. They got a light show. They have <laughs> yeah. an hour sound check and they never played a show in their life. Yeah. And there's bands Crazy. that just immediately the before they before they even play a single real show, they have a, yeah. a U.S. tour routed. Exactly. They have sponsors. They got money yep. like that money backers that's fine if you can do it and you're having a good time and you can pull it off do it but i just you know i see it and i can see through it i see what you, it is you, you, you know yeah because you you know what it is it's a it's a it's a craft it's a craft if it's even no matter if it's the shittiest band in the world it's a craft when you do something for if, 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 if I'm breaking bottles on the floor, if I'm breaking a bottle on the floor for 10 years, I'm gonna be you're gonna tell I'm doing it better than anybody else because I'm gonna be doing it a certain way that nobody else is gonna be doing it because I've done it for so long. And you could tell that with anybody who invests time in what they do, and you could see it with a band. That's why you could tell the fake shit when you can see the fully packaged too fast, it gives you everything you want in the first bite. That shit ain't real. Yeah, and there's bands who I've I've seen a band sound check before and like kind of eavesdrop on what they're you know the their the inter member banter you know yeah and I, I I watched a band talk about their moves yeah. before the show. Yeah. And rehearsing. What, what fruits? Fucking worse. <laughs> I can't band do ever. that. And I, I and I heard them. And then I watched them set up their. Um, they put footprints I, on the floor. No, that I, I I watched them set up. Uh, this this is at a festival in uh in Spain. Resurrection. Festival, right? Oh, you telling me? So, in the recent few times. Yeah. Oh, this oh, is this God. recent. So this band. They were talking about their moves that they're going to do and when and timing and blah, blah. Make sure you're not standing here because I'm going to do the thing. And then they <laughs> literally have a the entire song playing on the guitar, right? So the whole song is pre-recorded and played through the monitors and through the front of house. Whenever they want, they can hit a switch and the, the pre-recorded guitar can play. So the guitar player can clap his hands together oh, or he can like do some That's movement or whatever. And, the, and he doesn't have to worry about the, the guitar dropping out. And then, then he, can, he can click a button and then he, he, you know, his actual guitar comes back in and he can play the song along with it. The, 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 what is that? What is where's that? Where's the risk? Yeah, the, to me, I saw it and I said, where's the risk? If you can't, if there's no risk of fucking up the music, then why even play a show live? Why just I, do? That's EMD. You're playing you, electronic music. That's it. You know. You know what that is? That's like a motherfucker getting 
their first tattoo is getting their whole body tattooed, but with that cream so you don't feel nothing. That's yeah. what it is. Taking yeah. the bitch way out of getting the full package. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Chris Mab was just listening to your description, John, thinking that's a good idea to have that track on in the background. <laughs> but that's what that is. Because everybody should be, a band should be like a, a blank body and you grow your tattoos piece by piece by piece. These motherfuckers come out the box with everything and you could tell and they don't last. You know, I yeah. can tell you one thing, like it or not, if you are consistent and you keep doing your, what you do nonstop, people will jump along. People will start following. People will start appreciating and respecting the grind. I've been doing this for 26 years. We've been doing it at the smallest level, dude. We're a hardcore band. Ain't no check coming for us. We don't got no fucking sponsors. You don't see us rocking no buses. You don't see no magazines rocking no mad bullshit. You don't see that. But you know what it is? Thank God for the people that have been sticking with us since day one. They know we haven't changed. We grew. That's right. But we didn't change. And, and we admit that we grew. That's the difference. A lot of motherfuckers are, are still living a fantasy. You know what I mean? We admit we grew. We, we, we never changed, but we grew up, in, you know, in some ways. And there's no shame in growing. There's no shame in changing a little bit. And you know what I mean? And and just figuring out who you are or a better way to do things. Or just exactly. like um, liking something yeah. different. That's, I'm that's 38 it. now. I'm 38 years old now. You know, you have to grow up sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. you're 38. That's 38. <laughs> Why are you trying to blow me up, nigga? No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I knew I, I knew you were like a little older oh, than man. me, but not. Now you're all of a sudden a math guy. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now you're listening to everything I say. Now check it out. You said, you know, changing a little bit. What, from which album to which album do you think Madball, if any, had the most dramatic change out of the course of all these albums? Because you guys got a ton of great albums. You, you know what it is? I mean, people, there's, there's change like from our latest album because that's also, you know, our first album was fucking 26 years ago. So it's definitely going to be a change and drastic. And in yeah. some ways, and you know, for sure. But I think for the time, I think when we did the Look My Way record, that was so out the box for the time in our world that it was the most drastic change and we had the most negative feedback we ever had on a record. Really? Wow. Yeah, at the time. You got, you got, it's so funny because that record came out, you know what people were like, Oh, you guys think you're a metal band now? That fucking some metal shit. Yo, what's up with that metal shit? Yo, ba ba ba. Hands down, it was a more metallic record, is what I wanted because I love metal and I wanted, you know, some more heaviness. It was definitely darker for sure. But people came down on us because at the time, punk rock, the punk rock part of hardcore was real heavy in the music. And we didn't go that route. And we were sticking out. And in the hardcore world, you know, no, you all, you guys know we're, we're we're just as hardcore as anybody. But motherfuckers are the big, the, the the first motherfuckers to front like they never liked metal, and that metal doesn't have a big part of hardcore music, which it does. And they all try to front like it doesn't. So now it's cool to do double bass. Now it's cool to tune down a Z. Now it's cool to have t ten string guitars. Now it's cool to do all that shit. Back mm. then, they shitted on us for putting double bass on one song. Jeez. You know what I mean? I Crazy, man. I would do interviews. No joke. Well, Arnold Cromack, rest in peace, who's my brother. 
I literally, we were doing interviews on the phone back then, goes to tell you, the 98, and we screamed on the phone at each other for two hours. Because <laughs> he was so, like, I can't believe you guys changed because he's such a mad ball guy and he was trying to be, he's like such a metal record and we were the, 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 the guys flying the New York cargo flag, how could we do it, bah, bah, bah. And I was flipping because I was like, are you bugging? I'm like, that's like the hardest shit. You know, and it's real shit. Bah, bah, bah. And, oh, forget it. Gee, that's so crazy to think, like, yeah. Look My Way had people like that. Because Look My Way is and, New York and, hardcore, straight up. You know, it's crazy. And for many years, that was the dark album for us. Like, it was a weird album that we were kind of like, man, I don't know. And then the thing that kind of came back, I'll never forget. We were at a party at Rutgers College. And it was... um. You actually might have been there. It was one of those days, you know, the Fury of Five Days and all that. Mm -hmm. and we, I was with Jay Fury, Warren, all of us. And I'm bullshitting with Jay Fury. I never forget that. And obviously Fury of Five was popping and they were like the newer generation of a band, blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about music. And I remember Jay telling me more like, yo, I'm not going to front and be like I'm some old school Madball guy. You know, if anything, you know, Look My Way was more my record, my entrance into you guys. And then... I started being, I was like, really? He goes like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm more into that type of shit. And I was like, yo, finally, kind of somebody who gave it props. And then ever since then, kind of that generation would be the generation more who accepted that record. So it, it, it was a, la a later generation that started appreciating it. Yeah. That's really surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like looking back, that's like, I, I mean, the first four Madball records are such a like direct path to Madball. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. first yeah. four records so, are per a perfect transition from like, okay, this is Madball. Um you know, uh, like yeah. I'm count I'm counting uh set it off as the first record because yeah, that's for like sure. you know, you know what I'm saying? Stages, definitely you see in So like that's like the beginning stage. Oh man, I can't wait to see what this turns into demonstrate my style oh my god this is like like the progression of the first four records is like yeah. perfect it's yeah. perfect you know we thought you know again you know we never really listened to the layout of the land we never did that shit that's one thing i could say and i'm proud we never like oh what these dudes are doing what these if anything we always did opposite and it wasn't on purpose it's just how the world ended up you know what i mean we were always on some metal shit but like on some groove shit not on some extreme thrash like thrash but not like grind you know what i mean and yeah. it was just um i just remember like you know thinking yo this is gonna be harder it's you know we're getting even heavier we're getting you know we're putting more chunky shit in it and it's gonna be uh, you know we all were psyched on it and then people came at us like forget it like it was pretty crazy but yeah. if you look back at the bands, that's like when the Gotta Go kind of records were out. So everybody was kind of on that tip. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, everybody was doing all that punkish kind of stuff. more. I could see that. But in, in my it circles, it wasn't that. That wasn't. And it, nobody was saying, oh, look, my way's too metal because my circles, we, you know, they weren't brought up on Black Flag or, exactly. or anything like that. So Your circle was exactly born at the same time with us you the same yeah you know we all came up from the same mother we all came out of the same you now, know if you came out sounding like minor threat we'd be like what exactly what the same thing. 
all of us like those bands because we did our homework because we came up and we were we were brought in. And I'm speaking for all of us and you guys there too. We were brought up by the right people that said, hey, learn your roots, even if you don't yeah. love it. Yeah, and no that's doubt. That's how we all came up. But that's why we all see, we see the same way. Even though we like different bands, we all came out of the same school. You know, we all went through boot camp together, you know, at the same time. So we all know, you know, uh, where our roots come from and we all, we know the in between the lies and lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. For and it was a it, it was a dope time too when like Madball was like the head of this this group of bands that was uh you know like uh, Crown of Thorns and like you mentioned VOD yeah. the Bulldozers but one for one from New Jersey Fury of 5 like yeah. it was almost like a resurgence and then Madball was like the uh the days Agnostic Front you know cuz yeah. Agnostic Front sort of came back a little later and everybody yeah. was happy about that but no no for a while, there was like, no AF no, for sure, and and I definitely ain't saying Madball is the, the the band that brought hardcore back at that time, but definitely when we started, that shit was dead. Let me yeah, tell you, Madball flew shot. the flag when stuff was for the sure. Roughest. That shit was shot because yeah. a lot of people when we started, since we had you know former, it was basically AF with Freddie and me. You know, people automatically thought like, oh, we were gonna blow up, and there was gonna be this and thousands of people. Yo, we were playing fucking squat after squat we were playing in front of 10 people 15 people we still play in front of 10 15 people you know what i mean it's like you know it's it's funny how how shit works out you know what i mean it's just do you have a, a show you know remember a show in memory that was like early on like one of your bigger shows and and it's kind of set the band uh, kind of boosted the band a little bit uh, one show in particular not really no, well, I could say our first big show in front of anybody in New York was, I, I always got to give props to Biohazard, was that Biohazard record release. They had a oh, rose. Oh, so good. You know so what I good. Mean? That was yeah. the first time Madball playing a, a real big spot in New York City for dudes in our world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was and there I, for that one. Yeah. And then I, 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 not that I felt like we're here, but I felt like, okay, now if we played Roseland, that means we could play a. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call a Webster Hall or something else? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that first step. Once you get your foot in there, you could do it. You know, you want to do it again. It's like that yeah. first hit. You know what I mean? You know, I was so dumb back then when when Madball was playing. I was like, yo, these dudes are dope. Wow, all right, nice. And then I heard people saying stigma, stigma. I'm like, man, stigma ain't in Madball. Like, what the? <laughs> what is this shit? And I'm like, wait a minute, is he stigma in Madball? What the hell's going on here? Yeah. I was like, this this band Listen, got this this new man this new band got this old school dude in the band, and then I started doing my homework. Stigma, I was like, oh shit! Stigma, I had because of him. I look at him as like my timeline and for amazing moments in my life because, like, my first moment, like I tell you, was being on stage. Like I told you, I'm playing with AF, right? Yeah. Basically, I'm doing it, and then I never forget there was a magazine. They had a picture. And it said agnostic front, and it was a shot from that show, and I was in it. And I was like, in my head, like, yo, I'm in AF. Yeah. And I was like, yo. And I remember <laughs> being like, I'm like, that's stigma, and then that's me right there. And I'm like, <laughs> and to me, uh, any anything, anytime I'm within two feet of, of, of stigma, I feel I, I get reminded that I got to do something that nobody will ever get to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. To, to have moments with the OG, 
You know what I mean? Like So yeah. from your perspective, when you just started playing and they said, let's play some shows, and now you're in a band with, with ex-dudes from AF, Stigma included, how was it to, to be this, you know, would, or, or did you already have a friendship with Stigma or not too much? Well, yeah, we, we you, you know, we were, I was close to Freddie. Yeah, and we were friends. It wasn't like I was friends with Stigma back in the day. Like, Stigma would always chill and say what's up and have drinks with us because when we were kids going to AF shows, but it wasn't like we were like had our phone numbers or nothing like that. We became friends more when hanging out with Freddie and blah, 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 and we would mm. roll up to all the AF shows and stuff. And then we became more friends through that. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And then it just, um, you know, it grew from that. Like, it real homegrown because, uh, you know, again, we all live with each other. We all eat with each other. So right off the top, it was like a more than a band thing. And what a guy, right? Could there ever be another guy like that? Never. Never. Unbelievable. Yes, I, so I tell this story. You know the story. And only with Stigma this could happen. Biggest show to date for my life, Stigma's life. Dynamo 95. One stage, 120,000 people in front of us. Wow. The biggest show before that we played was probably that Roseland show for 2,000 people. We, yeah. didn't know, we never even got close to it. We're <laughs> on stage and the fucking the, the, the intro music for Set It Off is going. And stigma, you know, people, you know, this is our first real festival. And I'm thinking, like, who the fuck <laughs> cares? Who cares about this fucking whack band? That from New York was going to come make noise who nobody gives a fuck about. Mm. Stigma walks to the front of the stage and just lifts his arms up and everybody starts cheering. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Stigma, <laughs> the intro's gone on. Stigma walks back. He's standing by me in the back. And I'm waiting. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like, fuck, don't fuck this shit up. Don't fuck this shit up. He looks over to me and then he goes, it's all downhill from here, kid. And then the yeah. intro starts and I go, so he even when I was popping my cherry, he made me blow my load before I even broke the stick. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Our friend uh, Wima from London actually wrote uh, one of his questions. He wanted, yeah, I think he wanted you to tell that story. So it's good you told that. Oh uh, yeah, well, that was it's all downhill from here, kid. But wow. it means, like that's one of my greatest stories. And and if you watch the footage from Dynamo '95, you can watch Stigma burping throughout the whole shit. Pretty funny too. Oh, he's gassed but, up. Uh, he's just crazy. He's just you will never have another stigma, and I would never want another stigma because there's only one stigma. That's right. Now, exactly. when you played that show, are you the type of dude that gets nervous before you play it? Nah, I don't see you like that. Back then, I got nervous. You know, and my whole shit would be this. I I, I never be nervous for myself. I always didn't want to fuck up for the squad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I always in the band. I always felt. You know, I, and not that I felt I was the weakest link. You know what I mean? I'm playing with Maddie Henderson. You kidding me? The, the, one of the best guitarists in, in, in our whole type of music. I'm Great playing with player. Willie, one of the best drummers to ever kill in our game. You know, these are a stigma. OG, you know, I'm playing with motherfuckers that, again, before I even had an instrument, I was listening to them. And I'm like... I'm over here like, okay, I'm supposed to play with you motherfuckers. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, wow. you know, so it was, it was real intimidating at first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it, were you guys like prepared, like as far as gear wise for a show like that? Did you have the right shit? Like everything that could go wrong went wrong for that show. <laughs> and it's the biggest show of our life. 
if you watch the video, first of all, Freddie had, I'm not even joking, he probably had the coronavirus that day. Because he had a fever. No, 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 he was in the bed. He couldn't even talk. Um, if you look, I had a, 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 a guitar chord that reached halfway. A, you know, yeah, it's like fully, fully, it's fully extended. It, it, it There's no. like a telephone cable. Because <laughs> you know why? We never played a stage that big. Um, we had pedals on the floor. And obviously we had no text, so nothing was taped down. And second, third song in, Freddie kicks Maddie's pedal and just feedback, just starts feeding back in front of 100,000 people. And then two songs after that, Freddie falls off the stage. And then a song <laughs> after that, some people jump on stage and fucking fuck up. They start singing along and fuck up the song. And we, the whole band has to stop because it just collapses. Really? And Freddie, yeah, and then Freddie calls out the dude. On stage, like yo, I, I told you to you know sing along, not fuck the track up, and then I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, and then you know, oh, forget it. I'm, 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 I'm right now. I'm getting a stomach ache thinking about it. That's like, crazy. Everything that could go wrong went wrong that day for us. Yeah, and but it seems show. like it was still a, su a successful show, right? I mean, it's in it's, it's in the catalogs. It's it's hardcore history. You know what, what? What kills me is that nine out of ten people that are you know old, over the age of thirty, they or thirty five, they'll tell me, "Yo, the first time I saw you guys was Dynamo '95," and I'm like, "Oh, it's like they kicked me in the balls." Oh like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's funny because that so, uh, Ed Joe has a situation in, like that. In my memory, or you know, like you know, we've been to Europe many times, and you talk to yeah. people. It seems like that show and that Madball set was. The the modern um, introduction to hardcore. Yes. For for all of Europe, like yeah. that set that you guys played was like boom. This is hardcore, and it kind of spread from there. Yeah, you know what? It, it definitely like sick of it all. I played the year before and whatever, and um, like youth of today, I think was out there already going to Europe a little bit. The thing is, definitely for that, what I think made it was specifically at that time. You know, again, hardcore, it ain't like now in Europe where you could have, you know, 10 hardcore bands playing with Metallica, Slayer, Slipknot, blah, blah, blah. That's common now. Back then it wasn't. And we happened to be on Roadrunner, and Roadrunner was heavy that year. You know, that year was Nail Bomb, fucking Sepultura, Typo Negative, fucking, um, um, you name them. They were on Roadrunner, they were on Dynamo. And on top of that, it was the biggest year of that festival. And on top of that, you know, they were having some real motherfuckers for the first time. And they never seen no shit like that. As whack as it was, they could tell that it wasn't no fabricated shit. You know what I mean? I think that's the one thing I'm proud of, that we went up there wild style. <laughs> like, we literally, we really went up there wild style. But, you know, we went for it. You know, that's all we could do. And that's all we could ever do is we go for it. You know, no matter I've what. Watched, I've watched that video so many times and I love it. And my favorite thing is the banner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean the handkerchief? That's my favorite <laughs> thing. <laughs> because, like, exactly. you can tell this is a band that's used to playing clubs. Exactly. And you that, that, was that banner is... The spinal that, tap. Set up the spinal tap moment, though. Set yes. it up so people can understand what happened. Yeah, that's the, that's the Stonehenge. That's the spinal tap Stonehenge, but so, that's the, it's the same thing. Like you guys were used to playing clubs, and you were like, "Fuck it, we're Madball. Put the banner up." 
Yeah, it was oh, insane. You know, Machine Head, their backdrop was like the side, like literally the side of like the Intrepid. Our shit was like, <laughs> like fucking um, Big Show's fucking handkerchief in his fucking tuxedo. <laughs> Big Show, what's up, baby? What up, Big Show? But um, it was, you know, uh, thinking about it, it hurts. But um, how old was Freddie during that show? How old was he? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think um, 18, 19. Yo, you got to give him props, man. I that think Freddie was 19 then. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think I was, I think I was eight, uh, 17 or 18 at that point. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. He was like on that side. And I might have been like 20, 21. Like we were on the younger side of all that shit. I mean, you're you're in the band with Freddie, but you might not realize this guy is one of the greatest front men the scene oh, has ever seen. Oh, cut it out, dude. No, he's one of the, the, the he's a front man that has to be next to one of the greatest best looking bass players. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, finish what you say. No, I'm like he just he has complete ownership. I never seen him not on the stage regardless of the show. So, and this even such- that show at 19, over 100,000 people, he, he falling off the stage, sick as a dog. The guy owned it at that age. It's crazy. That's very true. You, you know why? This is one I, ne- I, I would never tell him, and I never told anybody. I don't really talk about him. If I'm going to talk about anybody, I'll talk about myself. But <laughs> the, fact, the fact is, he don't. He ain't like these motherfuckers that sit around thinking I'm planning moves and dialogue and whatever. I seen the, the last place he would want to be is on a stage till he's on a stage. Trust mm. me when I tell you that. And, and yeah. exactly how I said it. He don't want to be on a stage till he's on a stage. And then when he's on it, he turns into somebody else, dude. I can tell yeah. you that hands down. Like, it don't matter. I tell you, I played in front of 100,000 people. I played in front of 10 people with him. I seen him go more off on some of those smaller shows than the bigger ones. And not just because yeah. of the vibe, just because... How he rocks and just all of us. If you know how that goes, if the energy is right, people like us get turned on. And he's a dude that he wasn't made. He was born into this shit. Like you know what I mean? That's in his DNA. Yeah. You know what I mean? It ain't like something he learned. It was something that was just it, 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 it got piggybacked on him through Roger and through whatever, just being around it. You know. That's just, exactly what it is, man. So as a as a front man who studies front men. He he is a different kind of animal, and there's there's very few people who have this thing that's born into them where they don't take no for an answer from an audience, right? So if we're having a bad show, or let's say we're playing great and everything's we're doing all the the right things, but for some reason the audience just is not like coming around they're not like on your yep. side like you want them to be it's very discouraging especially for yep. the front man and you're supposed to be trying to hype everybody up and it's just not working so you get it, it, the the tendency for 99 percent of all front men is to be like well just not working tonight yeah you know yep. well let's just cut our set short yeah. Or uh, let's just do we'll do the whole set and I'll just do my thing and whatever you know they're just not into it tonight something's wrong with the audience yeah right no, no. and so but a guy like there, there's a few people that I could think of like maybe three or four 
frontmen in, in hardcore music at least who have this thing where they get even more crazy and they go they turn up a notch and they yeah. refuse and then the people start moving and they then they really put it on and it's like that that's freddie man he just yeah. is like relentless relentless you, you know what that is that's somebody who really believes in what they do if yeah. you really believe in what you do you won't take no for an answer that's like me calling you a liar no you don't really like that song you're like yeah I do. you no matter what you're gonna be like i'm gonna show you and that's how he thinks you know what i mean and that's what how he feels about the band you know, not that we're the greatest band in the world, we're the best band in the world, but he's also like, yo, we ain't the wackest band in the world, and we are better than that. And we are, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's real proud of what we've done because he's also seen, you know, we've seen, you know, we've been through a lot of shit that people don't know because we, we ain't one of these bands that, that goes around, you know, having to tell a sob story about how we came up and all the things we didn't get and why we didn't get it. Why not us? Why not that? You know what we do? We try to, if, if somebody else is coming up, yo, you know what? Shout it out. Shout out the movement. Just don't forget about the movement. And we keep on going. That's all you could do. Now, yeah. you know, there's too many haters out there. We we all know a lot of haters, especially a lot of bands out there hating when they should just be worried about, hey, do what you do. And there's plenty of room for everybody. You know, they think that um, it's like a, a tape deck. You can only have a limited amount of, of music on one side. Yeah, there's music for everybody, dude. You know what I mean? Well, you know what? I got to ask Joe. He said he could think of three or four front men in this scene like that. I could think of two, Freddie being one. Who who do you think, Joe? Who else Definitely is like that? Definitely Scott Vogel. That's the other one I was thinking of. Relentless front man. Shout out to Scott the Birdman. They're, they're my favorite hardcore band. My favorite uh, uh, later, uh, whatever you want to call it, after... The new, the new guard, uh, hardcore band. Even though they're not new, new no more. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah, I love them. And uh, I don't. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> all I could think. I, I'm gonna say this: this isn't really like a front man. And all right, but he, he's not really like a front man. Actually, it's this well, is. No, no, no. Okay, because you said not really like a front man, so I didn't know what you were I love this crowd. <laughs> no, listen. What I was going to say is is uh, the band Code Orange. Okay. So they don't really have a front man. Well, now they do, but... Yeah, they do. Their front man is the drummer kid. He's a good... The, Shout out to Code is. Orange. For, they, he is. making some big noise out there. But, but what I, I'm... Take, I always took at him being the front man. He he kind of was, but like you know, he's like not in the front. And the people, the the front man who I would always say is the front man was the bass player, because he was the he's the guy with no microphone. He's just running back and forth, hyping yeah, up. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, but no, you know what it is? as a different. whole, there's there's yeah. five members of the band, and well, I guess there's more now, but whatever. They all go off. Yeah. Every one of them is taking it personal. Like, we yeah. got to do everything, every drop of sweat in our bodies. We got to give it to this crowd and get them on our side. Yeah. Like, so that's, that's, it's, it's very different than being like the, the, the lone front. Yeah, I'm talking about this, the, the, the front person. But the yeah, no, person you're holding right. that microphone. There's really not many, man. I, Freddie yeah. and Scott are, are very unique for sure. You know, and again, you know, they, those are two guys that came up 
the same way, you know, similar, you know, musical ba backgrounds and and they looked up and, 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 and studied the, the classics. You know what I mean? And again, you could tell when people come out of the same, you know, um, you know what? You could tell when somebody's from your neighborhood. They don't got to be from your block, but you could tell they're from your area. You know what I mean? It's just a, a, a certain way they rock, a certain way they carry themselves. You know, West Coast has a certain feel. East Coast has a certain feel. Down South had a certain feel. And it's the same thing with hardcore music. When you come up with a certain batch of bands and when you're a certain style of frontman, aggressive frontman, and if you tend to mimic or be like the certain blood clots and, and Rogers and the, you know, the sieves or whoever else you want to mix it. You know what I mean? Then you get these mix, which is kind of the same pool of DNA. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you get the guys that are the most passionate out of that bunch, then you got guys like Vogel and, you know, whoever else and guys that are, that they live the shit even on stage. You know what I mean? They, they're living that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Live in that moment. You got a half an hour, 40 minutes, you know what I mean? Like however long a, a hardcore band set is. Yeah. And uh, you got that moment to try to say something, to try to like touch some people, you know? Yeah, you know what it is too? You could tell too. There's, you know, sure, when you, when you do it, when you're a band and you're playing, you know, when you play enough shows, there's certain spots during a show you hit that you kind of hit together. The certain hits that you hurt, you know, you have kind of a little spots that you all know are going to happen during the set. But in general, I never know what the fuck's going to happen during the set because I got we never follow the set list once to the T. That it may look like, oh wow, Hoyt's calling shit out and they're hitting it. No, it ain't nothing that's on the set list. We're constantly yelling at each other. We're hitting wrong shit because people can't see. We're changing the, you know, it's so fucking crazy, dude. Like, well, we I like standing. Crazy. When you guys are playing, I like standing on your side of the stage because you kind of you're sort of like the uh, a conductor. Yeah, like the bench manager of a baseball team. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like signals. You're like doing weird shit with your head and your hands and like tapping, yeah. doing like like directing <laughs> from behind from, from the, the tempos. Yeah. yeah. You like be like, oh, that's a little fast. And then you turn around and you you do yeah. the tempo you want with your head, and then Mike slows down a little bit, and then like you're just directing from your side. I love watching it. Yeah, I, 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 I ended up. I would tell the this came more from having new different drummers. I would tell the drummer when they weren't familiar with what I wanted. I would say, "Follow me, how I'm rocking, and just that'll get the vibe of the track of what I want." So it became a game of me pick it up, pick it up, slow it down. Pick it up now, hit it now, and me just bobbing my head and doing all these gestures. Cause the one thing about me is, I'm not the most technical player, but I gotta have my hips and my dips hit every time they're supposed to hit. And yeah. if they don't, then I got a problem with our set. You know what I mean? Cause mm -hmm. I know those are for our style. It's all about rocking. Like if if you're not moshing, punching yourself, or jumping on each other, I want you to be able to rock your head. And if you can't rock your head to our shit, I know we're doing something wrong. Mm. Now, let me ask you this, because we played a lot of shows together, and there's something that I've never seen you guys do. So I don't know if you guys do this. After a set, do you, like, break it down as a band? Break what down? The set that you just played. 
Oh, for mistakes no. to happen. No, no, it's like we just look at each other and we ignore each other. We give each other dirty looks usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and after we played so like, like, you know, we're a weird band. Like, we don't give each other props. <laughs> you know what I mean? To us, it's like when we got nothing bad to say, we figured, okay, we had a good show. And if something is really, really bad, it's usually me to acknowledge it. Even if it's myself, I'll be like, yo, I hit that wrong. I'll be like, yo, that shit was whack. Mm. But um, otherwise, even if we had a great set, um, I got to say, we, we we weren't, we were never guys that bigged each other up. You know, sure, we'd be psyched and shit. You know, you could tell like, oh, shit, but we never really talk about it with each other. Not that it was planned or there's wrong or right. We just never, we kind of would just look at each other and let, like we almost let the moment that happened. Like, oh, we all know what happened. Yeah, thank God it was good, because we yeah. know it's been a lot of bad ones. I can yeah. relate to that. I'm in a band though where they need constant compliments and adoration, and <laughs> no, you no, but, you know, <laughs> but it's ridiculous. Me, there's reasons why too. You know, we also for every Dynamo show that you see or on my Instagram, some big ass show with a billion people. Yeah, that's the best shot I picked. You know how many whack shows I'm playing in front of fucking five drunk motherfuckers in some whack spot. You know what I mean? That's why when we have those great shows, I think we're just so grateful. We're almost like, yo, don't start sucking your own dick because this ain't a reality. Enjoy it and, you know, savor the moment and just, you know, don't don't blow it out of proportion because reality, we're all about reality. You know what I mean? And don't, uh, don't expect any um, props for something that you were supposed to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, whatever. No, it's not just so much that. Don't get me wrong. It feels great. Of course, we do it when people love what you do and whatever. But it's kind of like um, I get my my thanks is those people, though, going off, you know, applauding, wanting us to come back out. That's the thanks right there. Me going in the back and telling, you know, uh, you, you know, not, not it's dope if Mike would be like, yo, you killed it, Hoy. All right, dope. But I really don't care what he thinks. You know, I do care, but you know what I mean? I'm okay. I'm you like, called out. Mikey knows, but I care what the people think. You know what I mean? That's what mm -hmm. we, at that moment, we're all playing for the people, not for each other. And that's yeah, the yeah, problem. Yeah. Oh, these bands, a lot of bands, they play for each other because they're all about themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Hoy. Them. Thank that's you. That's why we don't, but we don't prop them. Maybe because of that. To me, it's like, yeah, man, the people gave us that pat on the back. You know what exactly. I mean? That There you, you go. go. Like you're, you know, the, the crowd could be cruel, but they also, you know, you're going to get either what they're going to give you. They're either going to be with you or not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, your boys are always going to give you that pat on the back. You know what I mean? I don't need that. I like That's right. When you earn it, it feels good. You know what I mean? And I guess, you know, I don't know. We're, we're weird in some ways like that. Maybe we should talk about our fucking sets. Maybe we'd be a better band. No, I don't think you could be a better band. I think you, you, you guys are fucking great. You, like you, you, you have your own template for whatever you do, and it works. Yeah, you know what you I mean? Know, we, like, yeah, just, like I, I don't like you. If you're looking for like weak spots in the Madball uh, blueprint, there's I don't know what the weak spots could be, because you you guys always play like a machine. With you've had Mikey as a drummer for a long time now, but like. You, Without Mikey, forget. I probably wouldn't want to be playing music right now. Yeah. Yeah, dead ass. 
But I've seen you play. My, my point is I've seen you play with a lot of different drummers, and you always come out and play to this Madball blueprint, this template. And it's always dope. It's always hard. It's always like this. You, you hit a level of professionalism and without compromising your, you know, your personalities and your, without seeming you know, phony. Yeah. And, but, you know, part of it is also, for me personally, is my skill level <laughs> that I got to take this shit serious because I was never the most skilled player. I was never the most technical player. That I don't play a hundred strings. I don't do a line for every song. I was never the guy who knows every song that you call out a song and I start playing it. That's not me. That was never me. So what I had to do, since I was the weakest link, always in the band, like I said, back in the day, I had to make sure that at least whatever I came with, it had to be sorted out. It had to be played right. Even if it was whack, it was played right, sorted out, presented in, in the best way I could present it, ready to rock, no slacking. I had to be there front and center. I had to present it with balls or don't present it at all. And because I knew that maybe technically it wasn't all there, I had to make up for it every other way. You know what I mean? So I think maybe that's our whole attitude with the band. Just, you know, just, you know, uh, own your position. You know what I mean? And yeah. And, and, and you know, just do the shit for with, with balls. <laughs> that's play, it. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> That's kind of what it is, like own your position. It's like, uh, like a, yeah. it's almost like a military yes. mentality. Absolutely. Like this yeah. is a team. Do your job. Just do your job as good as you could do your job. That that's what I I say about Madball. Like with our last record, our last record, it was like I don't got to tell people what to do. Like back in the days, it was constantly one of the band dudes telling the next band dude how to play. We're all special forces now. To me, it's like, I don't tell the Navy SEALs how to swim. I know they can swim and they're the best swimmers. So I go, Mikey, drums, this is what I need. Go do you. Boom. Then I go to the Green Berets. Yo, that's my guitars. Yo, Green Berets. I don't got to tell them how to live in the forest. They know how to do it. Yo, do your Green Beret shit. Go. Boom. Then me, you know, we're all special forces. I want to hear what special forces you are. Oh, you know, me, I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm team fly guy. Oh, okay. No, I like, just, you know, we all basically, I used to be a dude who micromanaged, and it was a habit I picked up from Matty Henderson for all the great things he gave me. I picked up that bad habit. It's a great and bad habit. But um, I learned to, I had to step back. And if I'm confident and in, 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 my, in my shooters, I don't got to be over them, over their shoulder, telling them how to aim. You know what I mean? I know I got snipers. Just let them go do what they got to do. And, um, and I'm and and I like how it works. You know what I mean. I, I like uh, I like how it's turning my music into better shit. You know what I mean. Without me, you know, micromanaging every step of every fucking riff. You know what I mean. Yeah. You Crazy. must have been a real pain in the ass when you were like that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, I still am. <laughs> you know, I, but my whole shit is this. I'm a pain in the ass. Is this? But at the end of the day, you know one thing: whenever you fuck around with any music with me. It's never me trying to come off just so I come off. I'm always trying to make the track slam. That's it. That's it. And other I got bands, one. Niggas are worried about how or how loud my guitar is or how loud my bass is. Yo, is there enough a, a double get kick? <laughs> no, let's make the track slam. However, it's gonna fucking sound so that track bangs. That's what I want. So that's I, it. That's it. Listen up, Chris. 
I got one. I got one question. It's kind of backtracking a little bit, talking about albums and stuff. When you hear people, I don't want your opinion necessarily of like what you think is your best album, but is there one album that people consistently say, "Hold it down." Hold it down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what. That's all I was. I wanted to know. That's my yeah, favorite yeah. record. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite record. record. That's the record that everybody always says. Oh, sonically, they like the production wise, song wise. And um, yeah, a bunch, a lot. Of, it's it's pretty crazy because it was at probably the craziest time in the band. You know yeah. what I mean? And maybe that energy probably also helped with that album too. You know, Freddie going That's to my jail <laughs> and all that. So uh, yeah, but um, I think that uh, like I said before, like the tra- the trajectory of from uh, up to hold it down. Mm-hmm. Uh huh was so strong from record to record to like the growth was so strong from record to record to record and hold it down if you never did anything else after hold it down you people would still be talking about hold it down no, definitely. You know what I'm saying? No, no, for sure. Because I hear it, that it, shit. It's now. like it buys you. It buys you the leeway to be like, you know what? This band is forever gonna be the shit because of how strong these first four were, exactly. and then everything afterwards is still strong. Everything is strong. Like you don't have a Thank bad you. record, but the first four were so the the that were so powerful and just like piggybacked off each other so well that I think like it, it, it just was so it's the most perfect beginnings of a hardcore band in my Thank opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But, but I think a, a part of it was too, like I was saying, like the scene was real dead at that time. And I think that we were one of, not the only spark, but one of the first sparks to rekindle that. And it started snowballing, and the people and the energy with the records were snowballing with us. After Hold It Down, if you even see the record label change, and if you even listen to the landscape of all hardcore, hardcore started changing. So that's when it started branching out into more branches, and then it kind of became a little bit more something else, or whatever, more closer to what it is today. You know what I mean? It was just, uh, it was, I think it had to do with the timing, with, how this the the scene was like the the, the energy everybody was adding gunpowder to that you know to that mixture you know what I mean and that's what was feeding that energy with the DMS to look my way and the whole look it after look my way I was surprised we could do anything because people shed shat on us so much you know what I mean that's crazy yeah it I, is uh, kind of, it is kind of I, crazy you know because I think those four albums really staked something off. Like there was a you know an, an unseen territory that those albums you know you put a flag down and then built right on top of it again. Like yeah I, yeah exactly and our whole point was like we always said we always knew how people looked at hardcore like oh that's some little kid shit oh that's some one chord bullshit so we always said we got it yeah yeah that's right with that one chord bullshit but we're gonna make that shit dope and we always said how could we do it though how could we make this okay i love metal the breakdown ideas of metal how could we incorporate that let's make it a head bopper let's break it down halftime and we would always think of that the only time mad boy ever had a discussion was our first double bass song on that one of those songs because people were like at that time it, you hardcore bands didn't do a double bass beat 
And there were, and I was like, fuck that. We're doing it because the track is a metal track. Yo, but yo, people are going to talk shit. People in our own circle are like, yo, what's up? You guys trying to be some... When we did Hold It Down, there was guys in our own circle that were telling us, yo, that shit is too hip-hop sounding. Nobody's going to get it. Yo, stop with that rap hardcore shit. This is what Because you know... All the, the hip-hop songs with double bass on them. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, like, there, this was during the Hold It Down, Look My Way era. People thought, because we had graffiti, and we had and we were who we were, and then people were getting more in touch with their punk rock, punk rock roots again. They started trying to talk shit on us. But we never changed because we were never punk rock dudes. Wow. See, back then, you couldn't talk shit on Madball around here. You just couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah like, because <laughs> Pennsylvania was yeah, the same crazy, shit. Right? That's like a second home. Pennsylvania yeah. was the same shit as like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Those were the um, um, Massachusetts. These were the only places that we would play those same group of bands. Yeah, yeah. So it was the same. DNA. But if another hardcore kid had was talking about one of those albums back then, we'd be like, "Are you crazy? Are you out of I, your mind?" I know. And I, yo, dude, I I bugged out because I remember being like. I knew half the motherfuckers were into metal, and then I remember dropping that record, and people were like, I never forget my boy Richie, rest in peace, Richie Backfire, who I love him to death, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He looked at me, he came, he was on visiting in America, and that record came out. And that was probably not a bigger Madball fan out there. And I remember he looked at me and he told me, pushing me, what's up with that song, Hoyer? And I remember. That was the first guy I didn't get offended because I know he loved us and, and I loved him. It wasn't coming out of a bad spot. He almost seemed like bummed out. And I remember being like, yo, that was the song I backed the most because I was like, yo, that metal halftime drop is going to be dope. And I'm like, yo, did I fuck shit up? Did I start fucking shit up? I started second guessing my, mm, yeah. my ideas for music in the band. Yeah, I remember yeah. Richie. That was a good guy. Yeah, he was the best. And I yeah. started thinking, like, man, is it some, you know, does it sound like some whack metal shit? Like, not that metal's whack, but, like, are we making, using metal and just making it sound lame? And yeah. I'm like, fuck, oh, man, did I? That's to me, with, with bands, if if you do whatever you want, but if you're going to do it, it's got to sound dope. I agree. And, That's and your I'm stuff saying. never came off as, like, oh, they tried to do metal and couldn't pull it off. Yeah, I never yeah. would think that. You just sounded hard. It was like, oh, that's... No, and, and my whole shit was because we love metal. Well, some of us, and, and we wouldn't do, like, I wouldn't try to do a country record because none of us are into country. Yeah. We could play it. We could pull off the track. We could record it, dope, blah. But you'll tell. And then you could also tell, like, if it's something that we were into. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it comes out. You know, everything comes out in the wash. Now, when you guys did Hazen Street, that's a big difference in music but i guess oh, yeah. be, just because it's a whole new a whole new band whole new outfit you probably didn't catch much much slack off that did you no you know what i actually expected to catch a lot more slack from that shit from people because it was so on you know pop punk and the people involved with it where some people were hated <laughs> you know the people in the, that had the record company and you know just diehard hardcore kids weren't having it but at the end of the day you know Hardcore kids know us, and they know that when when you fucking with anybody that was in that band, we're real hardcore motherfuckers. Every single one of us, you know what I mean. If you like our bands or not, we are all were part of. of we were all a brick in the house of of, of this hardcore shit. Yeah. So in all reality, nobody. First of all, right now, ain't not one motherfucker alive could tell me shit about me being 
a hardcore guy and, and what hardcore is and what it isn't. Nobody. Not one hardcore dude. I don't care if he was around 100 years ago. That's I got right. fucking 10 albums and I've been back in this music for 26 years straight. I can only say the same about AF and sick of it all for that mm -hmm. straight. Nobody else. Not no Bad Brains, not no Misfits, not nobody else. That's These right. are the motherfuckers that been doing it constantly, nonstop. And guess who's been right at the end of that? It was us. So unless you've been rocking 26 years consistently, I don't give a fuck. And how old your old school band is, what you done, how many fucking documentaries you got, it don't mean shit. Yeah. Holy shit. No, listen, Hoya, check this out. We got a lot of good questions for you, but we won't get it. We're going to do make this part one. Gotcha. We also, in the next episode, in part two, maybe we could go into Hazel Street because Hazel Street is yeah. a great band. And oh, yeah, I, a everybody I know Hazel loves Hazel Street. And I got a and lot of Hazen Street stories, too. Yeah, we want to hear. I heard some, and I heard some from Mackie. I heard some from you. I heard some from Toby. I'd love to I'd love to hear the same ones and new ones. And then I want to get to those questions. Plus, we might think of some more Madball stuff we need to talk about. Yeah, yeah, Are you down whenever, to do that? You do a part two yeah, with us? Yo, whenever you want. Hold on. Let me check my schedule. Guess what? Okay, check it. Oh, good, good, good. guess what? I happen to be clear, niggas. You happen to be quarantined with nothing but Netflix. Yeah, Yo, you know uh, that, but yo, definitely. All right, listen, people at home, if we didn't get to your questions, we will. We will get to them. Yo, I'll answer anybody's questions. Get them to these guys whenever you're ready. We're ready to yeah, rock. We We're here, quarantine. We're holding it down for everybody out there in quarantine land. Respect. So we That's part got one. We, this is one. one. We already got a lot of questions sent, but now this is your your warning. Then, if you want to get a question to Hoya, okay, when you hear, go to postamericanpodcast at gmail dot com or postamericanpodcast on Instagram. Send us your questions, and we'll make sure that next next time we talk, uh, which will be very soon, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to get all the questions answered and we're going to get all the stories. If we have to do a part three, we'll do a part three. Definitely. I'll answer not. every question you motherfuckers got for me, but I oh, want to answer one right now that I've been getting a lot. No, I do not pop out of cakes anymore. So stop sending me offers, <laughs> party officers, you know, uh, you know your, your wife's uh, anniversary, that whole swinging shit is cool, but I don't do that cake shit no more. Now uh, I can scratch, I can scratch those off the list. All right, scratch those off the list. Well, I know maybe, Joe Exotic was asking for about the right that. Person, maybe for the right of PayPal hit or whatever, we talk business. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold all right. I'm a, I'll, I'll, all right, I'll hold you on the side, and we'll check out the next one, all right? We'll make yo, one schedule. love. Yo, peace, everybody. Yo, CasaTheRock.com. Go get some shit. Go buy some money. Right, uh, yes. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We're going to get get this one out ASAP, and uh, we'll have part two out very shortly afterwards because now that Chris figured out how to do this uh, Skype shit, uh, this is this is easy. Sound quality is good. We're happy with the episodes. We'll talk to everybody soon. Be safe out there. Be healthy. Protect your loved ones. Peace. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then. 
get your fucking ass out of here before I get you a smack, motherfucker. Who the fuck you think you in? This is post-America. You ain't shit, motherfucker.